Yeah. Thank God for your salvation every day. I mean, I don't mean to just always constantly talk about what's happening in the world. Because what's happening in the kingdom should be greater than what's happening in the world. And our influence should be so much greater. But we're flooded with a lot of dumb stuff, stupid stuff, that if we don't give attention to it, it'll become the norm. It'll become the norm. It'll become accepted in society, and people will view things from that worldview rather than having a kingdom perspective and a kingdom view. I believe this was strategic. I believe this was an attack on motherhood. That's my personal opinion, which means you could take it with a grain of salt. You can either take it or you could just discard it. My feelings won't get hurt. I'm just trying to express a point to you. I just believe that it is an attack on motherhood. We know that the family, I guess it, they call it the nuclear family, but the original family with the mom a real mom and a dad, a real dad, and some children, some real children, praise God. Um, I just believe that is not only the way God intended it to be, but he still expects it to be. And, and so the attack on the nuclear family or the original family has been um, vicious, for lack of better words redefined. We went through uh, uh, probably about, I don't know if it was two or three years or at least an entire year at least, of, of preaching and teaching on redefining the church. Not that the church needs, to, needs a new definition of who she is, but to redefine it for a generation that does not know much about the church's existence. For the most part, the church's existence is only reduced down to, or I shouldn't even say only, is reduced down to just a formality of religion blended in with all of the others. And if we hold to that definition, we'll miss who we truly are, who God has made us to be. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. You hear that time and time again, but... I just preach it by way of reminder because I just want to make sure that that thing that is out there don't creep into your room and have a conversation with you to get you to question as to who you are and what your life is really to be all about. That discussion with Eve in the garden led to the fall, the major fall of humanity that we only recover from when we receive Jesus Christ. Other than that, we're dead in trespasses and sins, and we're just going through life, and whatever makes you happy, that's what you indulge in. But for the people of God, we have a standard of living, not that we set ourselves, but one that God established for us, and it's the standard that he laid out even in the beginning of time before he formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And then God sees that there's no one comparable or suitable to mankind from the birds of the air or the beast of the field. And so he 
Let's Adam name all of the animals, and there's none found suitable, comparable to him. So God puts Adam to sleep, removes one of his ribs, and then fashions that rib. This is the story of creation. This is what we hold fast to. Fashions that rib into a woman, brings her to Adam to see what Adam's going to call her. And Adam said, this is woman, for she was taken out of man. And then he gave her the name, and her name is Eve, for she is the mother of all living. That's the biblical story from the beginning. But the insult came in this fashion and form. And I believe the timing of it was intentional. That one individual who would be addressing Congress would make in her statement that didn't call women mothers, but called them birthing people. It may not bother you. But it is offensive to God, and because we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, it ought to be offensive to us. Some might pass it off as a joke, but I'm telling you, this agenda that these people are pushing that are in power now, they know that their days are limited, and they could be out of office within a couple of years. So they're pushing their agenda as hard and as fast as they can, and it's like, how in the world... Do you let somebody convince you? In our day, grandma would have said, what's ailing you? Boy, what's wrong with you? Because of the way that they're talking now. And somebody is behind it with a lot of money that will flood their pockets to enable them to get elected by however they do their campaign. They lie. They all lie. Politicians and lawyers, they're all liars. But to push this kind of agenda that some might think little of it, it's like, okay, think nothing of it. Thought nothing of same-sex marriage. So we have same-sex marriage. Thought nothing of gender, what is it, gender, gender fluidity. So we have gender fluidity. Transgender. Either we think nothing of it or we say nothing about it. And in those cases, they continue to push their agenda. We get a major pandemic. And everything, everything has, like, changed. And they have used this as a control mechanism in order to change, transform society to fit their narrative, to fit their agenda. I've said it before, and it's worthy of repeating. Who has a real Bible, please? Thank you, Pastor Lucia. I'll bring it right back to you. I just need to get up here on the platform so that even the people watching live stream can see. This, the word of God, is your only safety net in society. 
It is the only book of books that you can state your life on, place your life in, your trust, your hope, build your life upon. It is based on truth originated in heaven, spoken to mankind to write down that we may have God's perspective on everything in life. There is no other safety. There is no other way. There is no other truth. And if you have one, not only should you hold on to it, but you need to start reading this Bible and getting it in you, getting those words in you, the truth, and building your lives upon it. Because if you don't hold fast to the truth, you're going to end up building your life on a lie, and you're going to suffer as a result of it because God is not going to overlook the ignorance of humanity when he has made salvation so plain and so clear that even a child could understand it. So, again, birthing people. I don't know how it would make a woman feel. I can assume how it would make a, mo a woman feel. And some would be like, well, it, 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 it doesn't matter until they start forcing it on your children and teaching your children these things in the public school that you send them to, where government is strategically funneling so much money into the school systems, doesn't it bother you that schools are not open? Not that you just want to get rid of your kids, but you want your kids to be educated. They have already lost out on a year of education. Didn't happen in every state. Some states opened up their schools and are teaching the kids. They're not teaching them as I had shared. I was going to have Minister Killings, and in the near future, he will come and share uh, with you about this critical race theory that they're teaching in the schools now. It, it's, it's, it's in action. And they're, 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 they're dividing us. As the people of God, I don't know how you calculate, you know, estimate, analyze, or, you know, how you really just govern yourself. You know that, and it's between you and God. But when you think about what it is that they're doing and we say nothing, we just keep silent because we don't want to get involved or we don't think that we have a voice. 2016 showed us how much of a voice we have. It's not focusing in on Donald Trump. It's focusing in on people got fed up with government and what they were doing and the empty promises that they were making that though they had the popular candidate to run, she got wiped out by one that nobody expected to win. As a matter of fact, 
they wanted him to be the candidate because they felt like her pathway to presidency would be a whole lot easier than dealing with some of the other candidates. But it was the people's voice, it was the people's vote that put him in office. And while he had his character flaws and all of that, while he carried and conducted himself in such a way that turned many people off, how can you be upset with unemployment at its lowest? Not only for whites, but for African Americans, Asians, Latinos, women, built up our military, did the unthinkable with this virus that was generated in another country and spread all around the world. And they told him when he said he would have a vaccine within one year's time, they said he was nuts or crazy. But he got it done in 10 months' time. And you look at this now administration, and it's like they're trying to keep everything closed. You get vaccinated. You still got to wear the mask. You still got to social distance. You still got to wash your hands. Washing hands is a good thing. It's a good practice. But you still have to do all of these things even after you've gotten a vaccine. You cater to the schools. The teachers don't want to get in the classroom. The teachers' unions are, are strong lobbyists and basically control the education of our kids. The reason that kids aren't back in school is because they don't care about the kids. If they cared about a kid, you can't keep a teacher away from a classroom whose heart is with their students. You have to teach and be called to teach and teach out of passion because you realize the authority that you have. You realize the power of influence that you have, that you are helping to shape the next generation. And you realize that Zoom is not doing what it's expected to do. Nothing will replace that either one-on-one -on -one or the personal contact between the teacher and their student. Doing it over Zoom, as the kids told the president and his wife, some of them might sleep, some of them might go eat. They get distracted. They just don't perform well. Parents who've had children who were straight A's Brother Joseph, in classroom, saw their grades go down to a D and some F. They were able to get them back up, but it's the failure. And so many students are being failed even right now. They talk about, well, we're going to open up at this point. And then they say, no, we're going to open up at this point. And hopefully we can open up in the fall. But because they want to use the leverage and influence in order to keep themselves in power and society ignorant. So we can't just nonchalantly let things go. 
My thing is I bring it before you because I don't know whether you know this or not. And if you don't care, that's one thing. But for some who do care, I'm speaking to you. Because we can make a difference. If we're silent, it's as if we agree with what's going on. But if we make our voices heard, that's a pushback on them. And they are using Zoom to further their agenda. Because you just can't, you know, interact very well when you're controlled by a computer and they can mute you or you get some static. Your screen goes out. What's wrong? And then you got to try and figure it out. You got to be a programmer or somebody like that to try and figure out how to get back online. But they're using all of this to their advantage in order to transform society. And transformation is given to the church by God. First, that we are transformed into the image and likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we teach and transform others. Not that we can transform them, but it's by the word of God that transforms and renews our minds that enables us to prove that what God is saying is right. It's called proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. Sad to say, many don't want to take up that agenda. And so the church just exists as a religious organization. You come when you please. You don't come when you don't please. You just, you know, it's just a place to come to. And it's like, no, we are a living organism of the kingdom of God. I don't mean to belittle our position, our stature, or our position in Christ by calling it an organism. But, you know, we're alive, and we're alive to God. So, with that being said, I hope, I don't believe it will move you. But it definitely wasn't a compliment to women or to mothers to just call you birthing people. Sounds mechanical, sounds like meaningless. You, you just, you just, you're just here to give birth to babies. And the thing of it is, is that they would even argue against that from the feminist movement. Because they'd be like, you know, no, I'm more than just, I'm not made just to, and have babies and stay in the kitchen and cook food and do all of these house chores and things like that. I'm not made for that. I am woman. I am equal to man. They're cuckoo for cocoa for cocoa. What's cuckoo? They're cuckoo for cocoa puffs. In other words, they're crazy. They're deranged in the things that they're doing. What will possess a woman to say those words before, I believe it was before Congress, Somebody behind the scenes that has power and influence over her, they have an agenda, and they're using them strategically to filter these things out. Because before long, you won't even be called mothers. Now, of course, in our day, I don't know about many of you, the way you were raised up, but if we ever called our mother something that she wasn't, we'd have a time on our hands because we were taught respect. 
how to respect your elders, how to respect people, how to treat people. And we've lost that. Well, praise God. It is Mother's Day, and I'm not going to keep you very long. We're almost out of time as I speak. But turn with me in your Bible, if you will, the book of Genesis. I was going to take you to Psalms, but I'll just go to the book of Genesis, and then we'll conclude. Genesis chapter 3. When you get there, say amen. And if you need more time, say hold up. Genesis chapter 3, we go to the beginning. This is where all of the madness began. And it was simply by turning away from God. And what we need in our day and time, what we need in society, is a return back to God. Amen. Let the church say amen. Glory to God. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, it says, And the serpent, everybody know who the serpent is, correct? We know it's not just a snake, but Satan entered the snake, and he's acknowledged as the serpent, the dragon, um, the devil himself, Satan, in the book of Revelation. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Okay. God said, if you eat of the tree, you shall die. Satan says, ye shall not surely die. What's more important, God and his word, or what the devil has to say to you? Because the devil can move subtly, crafty, um, He's able to deceive. That is, I believe, his most deadly weapon itself is to deceive and to delude people. There is also talk about the individual who is a, excuse me, I'm just sweating profusely up here. The president of the United States and how he is a devout Catholic and he is just devoted to the things of, well, I didn't say all of that. Let me just, but he's, <laughs> he's a devout cow. I'll leave it there devout Catholic, but the way they would talk about it is if he's just this, you know, and he's a kind man and all, and they, they got him on video where he left out God, and of course there was in his speech or in his address, and of course there was, you know, they just circle, circulated all over the media, well, I shouldn't say all of the media, because all of the media won't report things like that, because they want you to still have this certain type of image of this individual. He's corrupt to the core. His vice president is corrupt to the core. And uh, nothing you can do to fix that except they repent and get right with God. Nobody sits around and watches the problems down at the borders and does nothing about it and then lie to you and say everything is under control. And then they show you pictures and images of a room that has either few or no occupants or immigrants in there, illegal immigrants, so just make it plain. And it's only because they moved them from one place to another place over here, and then they show you this empty place and tell you there's no problems at the border. Talk to the people who are at the border, which some news outlets do, and they show you the problems 
that are going on at the border, even of their own group. Democrats who've gone down there have said this is a crisis and something needs to be done. It has been, uh, I guess, about 50 days or so since she was appointed, Kamala was appointed to take care of that problem, but she hasn't been down there. They've been pleading and begging them to come down to the border to see the problem that is being created or has been created. When did that problem take place? Well, they want to blame the previous administration. But the previous administration brought order. Again, character flaws, yeah, but as far as policy, we don't know what we are missing out on. This economy would be booming, I kid you not. People would be back to work. The pressure would be on the teachers to get back in the classroom or they would take the money and put it into private schools or they would have school choice for parents pushing that agenda so that kids that are at a disadvantage because of the quality of education could have a better opportunity by going to better schools. We live in a time where now they want the police out of the schools. How shortly we forget of the shootings that were taking place in the schools, and so we had the police there for the students' safety. It's a mad thing going on. It is out of control. So <clears throat> I don't know whether he was doing the Pledge of Allegiance or what, but he left out God. And so <laughs> some are like, he didn't say God. He didn't say God. He didn't say God. And then others are just mute on it. And they're supposed to be an example. He's supposed to be devout. And he didn't put it in there where it should have been there and it should have been spoken. It just tells you their agenda is greater than what anyone who would talk about God, believe in God, or even God himself would want to accomplish. <clears throat> so we go to the beginning. The serpent said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So in verse 6, I also want to... No, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. In verse 6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. So far, things are common because the word tells us that all of the trees in the garden that God made were good for food or were good and were pleasant to the eyes. I think it's in the previous chapter. Yes, I believe it's in the previous chapter. So, <clears throat> there was, uh, yes, the trees were good for food. 
and they were pleasant to the eyes. And God says there's just this one tree that you cannot eat of. All the other trees were good for food. All the other trees were pleasant to the eyes. But this tree that she looked at, good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and here it is, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So the difference about this one was God says it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan said it's the tree that will make you wise. It's the same spirit that sweeps the earth today because the devil is the same. He, you know, there's nothing new about him. He just does the same thing over and over and over. He's been around for at least 6,000 years and dealing with mankind, so he knows the weaknesses of man. He knows how to tempt. He knows how to deceive and lead astray and all. So he's, he's still doing his dastardly deeds and tactics. But telling individuals that this is good, even though God says it is bad. For a man and a woman, this is good. But with God, if it's not married, if they're not married, it is bad. A man with a man, this is good. In the eyesight of God, it is bad. With a woman and a woman, this is good. But in God's sight, it is bad. It is abominable. You get my point? He still lies to people, and people like Eve still believes him. And in that, it takes us out of the will of God to where people now think that the church is irrelevant. Take us out, it is over. We are led by the Holy Ghost, or should be. And yet we got a large section of the body of Christ that does not believe in the Holy Ghost because they think that it's over. Those days are over. We now have the Bible. I had a conversation with an individual, and in talking about the Holy Ghost, he was like, well, we now have the Scriptures. Well, we've always had the Scripture. We had it verbally when God gave it to Adam and Eve, and they passed it down from generation to generation to generation until Moses came on the scene, and then Moses, through historical teachings about the Word and what God was revealing to him, put together the canon, uh, not the canon of scriptures, but the Torah, if you will, the first five books of the Bible, the law, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, put that together to pass from generation to generation to generation. Why? To know the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1 and on, God teaches about his commandments, and they are to be esteemed, if you will, paraphrasing, that they are to be taught diligently to our children. Why? So that godliness would spread from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And it's an ongoing thing. 
Jesus has raised up the church of the living God, the body of Christ, given us authority and power over all the power of the enemy so that nothing by any means can hurt us and that we are to go and not make friends, but go and make disciples. The devil would have us be friends. Nothing wrong with being friends. But the devil would rather have us be friends in the sense of the urgency of the hour where we will not speak the truth in love, but will compromise because of the friendship. Either we want to be liked or we don't want them to hate us. Same thing. We don't want to offend them. That's a better thing to say. And nevertheless, we are now, whether we recognize it or not, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are still what Jesus said about the church, the New Testament church that he erected. And what did he do? He not only had the word, and Jesus is the living word, but he said, <clears throat> excuse me, John 14, 15, 16, I must leave you. If I don't go, the helper won't come. But if I go, he will come. I will send him. He'll be with you. He'll be in you. He'll lead you into all truths. Paraphrasing. Show you the things which are to come. He will bring to your remembrance those things that you have been taught. He said, tarry in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. John baptized with water unto repentance, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And yet we have a large group that sees no need for the Holy Ghost within the body. It's for back then. No, it's for right now. Well, we have the word. They have the word. Moses gave the law. They had the law up until Jesus. Jesus comes in with new wine for new wineskins, and he's preaching this good news of the gospel, of the kingdom. And then he appoints his 12, and one of them is a devil, to go and preach this gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, freely you uh, receive, freely you give, dot, dot, dot. He gave them the teachings, and they taught the kingdom. And then they put together their teachings and gave us what's called the canon of Scripture or the Bible itself. Not as a book to debate. We don't, as Christians, we don't debate anything God has to say. We can argue over opinions, but when it comes to the Word of God, there is no argument. Sad to say that not many have that respect or regard for God's word. That's why we end up doing anything and everything. We still do things in our own eyes that we think that are right when we got the spirit of truth on the inside of us to quicken us in case we get into error. He brings us back into alignment with God, and we have the word. I had to tell that gentleman, I said, look, they have the word. I said, they had to extract by revelation from the old covenant the new. And as God is my witness, you read the Bible at least once a year for about like five years straight. That way you get a kind of complete 
revelation of the scriptures from Genesis all the way to the revelation of Jesus Christ. You get a better picture of the whole, I don't want to call it concept, but I'll use concept. The whole concept of God and what life is truly all about. And you will find that the new covenant is right there in the old. It is right there. They were blinded to it, which the enemy does and which the law did for them, blinding them to the truth when Jesus came on the scene. But notice what Paul says. When Christ comes, the veil is removed. So now you can extract, you can see right there as you're reading. Man, that's the same thing that goes on in the New Covenant. That's the same thing. All of this stuff is written for our admonition so that we don't commit the same acts and deeds that they did. God didn't like it then. He definitely don't like it now, especially after sacrificing his only begotten son. Stand to your feet. What does this have to do with Mother's Day? Again, looking at mothers, they're like that house band. You know, you would think husband would be the band for the house. The husband has this responsibility and role, but the mother is always there with the kids to nourish them, to raise them up. And I say this in particular to the young ones and the older ones. You can just kind of, you know, impart to them wisdom and how to deal with family rearing and all. And, you know, it's, it's like they need, they need real good help this time. Because not all of them, don't misunderstand me, but the stuff that they have to deal with, the stuff that they have to face, what they're dealing with when their kids are going to school, what they have to deal with when their kids are in, what do you call it, um, um, daycare. Things that they're not around and not, they can't see everything that is going on. And people are so gross, so gross. I'm sure this has been going on for a long time, but it is, it, is, it is increasing rapidly where you have child molesters who, you know, focus in on little babies. You heard about that person, Duggar. I think that's his last name. And, you know, what? And he's got a big family himself, and he came from a family of about 19 kids. And you know, just the stuff that they found on his computer and all. And I know that they can always set a person up, but you look at the picture that that guy took and the smirkiness on his face, it's like guilty as charged. But our kids have to come up through this kind of stuff, and we have to shield and protect them from those types of things. And just to impart wisdom to these younger uh, generation of families that are coming up, that they be strong in God's ways and be very aware of how subtle Satan is. If he can get a third of the host of heaven to, 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 to turn against, revolt and rebel against God, and they're right there in the face of God, they see everything clearly. Angels cannot be saved. Once they miss the mark, that's it. It's over. But here he's able to deceive a third of the host of the angels, and they all fall with him. If he can do that up there in the front, in the face of God, how much more can he do down here on earth as far as damage? And so families need to be aware of that. 
Children need to be aware of that. You can't be bored in church. You are the church. You understand that. And if you feel like, well, once I get old, I'm going to stop this thing. Let me tell you something. I was raised up in church, and I'm going to stop. I'm really going to stop. I'm going to stop. I was raised up in church. Um, and then we stopped going. Probably when I was about 13 or 14, my mother started going back to church, and she drug me right along with her. I would be upstairs in bed trying to sleep because I didn't want to go, and then I would hear Henry Aaron, and that meant get up and get ready now. And so we would go to church. And then after I got older, I got away from it. But roots were there. I didn't understand everything. I didn't know very much, but roots were there. February 26, 1984, those roots began to take over, and I gave and committed my life to Jesus. I did what I knew at that time. I knew what I was doing. And so I say that to say it's a waste of time to waste your life in the world. Those years will go by and you will do so much damage to yourself spiritually that you may not be able to recover. That's not a scare tactic. It's a living reality. There's nothing wrong with being on fire for God all the way. All the way meaning to say until you leave this earth or get raptured by the Lord. What I saw in Sister Michaela, I've seen in the spirit a while back. And I don't put her on blast, and I don't puff her up. But it's like, that's an example of the generation that's coming and that ought to be coming. That's not to put pressure on her, and that's not to say anything negative about any of you. But it's the fire of the Holy Ghost being on you that needs to be manifest in your life for your own sake. Otherwise, you will get smothered and choked out by your encounters with higher education and higher learning because your roots won't be deep. But if you let your roots sink deep into the soil of the kingdom of God, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against you. The deception that is out there in the world will not be able to pull you away from God. It would be a waste of time, energy, and effort to go the way of the world because the way of the world is leading to total darkness, chaos, confusion, corruption, and ultimate destruction. That's why they don't want the church to come together. And that's another sermon. We'll get to it Wednesday night. Thank you, Jesus. Again, thank you for mothers. Thank you for those watching. If you're watching online and you're a mother, happy Mother's Day to you, as we've said to all others as well. We thank you, Father, for this great and glorious day. Strengthen us with might and power. Anoint us with fresh oil. Did anybody get healed today? If you did, raise your hand. Brother Tim, you got healed today? God bless you, Brother Tim. Thank you for coming to fellowship with us in Jesus' name.
You praise your way to healing. Glory be to God. Healing in, in your knee. You got healed in your knee? Both knees in the right heel. Both knees in the right heel. Can we give God praise for that? Hallelujah! And I believe by the Spirit of God that some of you out there got healed. And I believe that as this message goes forth and others hear it, they'll get healed. Because healing is in this house, released through God's body, his people, as we worship and praise him. Glory be to God. We love you. And Father, we thank you for everyone that is here. The Lord our God bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. The name of the Lord be over you and your household that he may bless you. May he order your steps and direct your path and guide you with this eye into what is his good and acceptable and perfect will. In Jesus' name, everybody who agreed said amen. amen. Glory be to God. Thank you for today. Leadership will not be uh, leadership will not be held today. It's Mother's Day, and we're going to honor mothers.